Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Buckus. Direct from the 312, join hosts Pete Hassan, Matt Amendola, and Matt Buckus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Buckus Beyond the Line. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. Roses are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome back to Butkus Beyond the Line. We are pumped about today's guest, who seems to be ubiquitous with college and pro football these days, current NFL on CBS analyst and Butkus Award Selection Committee member Charles Davis joins BBTL. But first, the huddle. 989 on two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready. On two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready. So, boys, the 2022 NFL draft is upon us. There has been a zillion and one mock drafts out there. If you're a a nerd and a geek about the draft like I am, you've followed a lot of them. There's been already a lot of moves and a lot of news out of the NFL and the draft. But obviously, we're keeping an eye on the Buckus Award finalists from this year, and especially the winner, N'Kobe Dean. Where is he going to go? The top of the draft seems to be about defense and Aiden Hutchinson with Jacksonville, but it's wide open. It's going to be an interesting year for the draft. Yeah, I was watching, and they were talking about the quarterbacks and where they're going to go and, and some new picks. And, yeah, they have Nakobe. We had him going to, what, Dallas first? Now he's going to Miami. Devin Lloyd, who Matt and I met this uh, summer, great kid. He's an awesome player, and he'll go. Yes. Devin Lloyd right now, he's currently sitting around, you know, some of these draft talks say around 23, 24, 23 is the spot where Tennessee is at. But coincidentally, we also have a linebacker in the 24 spot where Dallas sits. So that's where N'Kobe Dean may be going. So that's kind of interesting for me. It'd it'd be interesting to see Micah Parsons and N'Kobe Dean on the same team. Hopefully it happens. So we talked about defense, guys, and obviously across the board on mock drafts, Aiden Hutchinson, like we said, Kayvon Thibodeau, you're talking about a lot of defense, a lot of speed, guys, that like obviously in this day in the NFL, like speed rules, right? So Matt Amendola, you were talking about a point about this draft. I mean, if you just watched some of what happened in Indianapolis during the Combine, I mean, you're you're watching these big guys go, and you cannot believe the numbers you're seeing in, in the 40. Yes, As far as the combine this year, big guys in particular, I absolutely don't think anyone didn't like watching Jordan Davis run this year. He ran a, what, four, seven, eight. Matt and I actually got to uh, meet him a couple times this year in Athens. He's a great kid. As far as speed, I mean, this combine was really unlike any other. I mean, uh, John Ross's record from 2017 was almost, you know, threatened by three, four guys in one day. Chris Johnson had that uh, record for nine years before John Ross. So John Ross, his record of 4-2-2 was 
almost threatened by Kalen Barnes, but the NFL actually his official 4-2-3. Uh, the second fastest of the draft being uh, another defensive back, cornerback Tyreek Woolen from UTSA with a 4-2-6. Matt, we've talked about the Bears before and you know the new coaching staff and a lot of holes to fill. I don't believe they have a pick in the first round again, so that's unless they move up in some way. But maybe your thoughts on what you think the Bears might be looking at, and then we can get into a couple other teams that might be um, surprising some folks in the draft with who they're looking at. Well, this week I actually had several people ask me about, you know, what my dad thinks, you know, the Bears should do. And mm-hmm. you got a quarterback in Justin Fields that needs to be, you know, he gets the right coaching, he'll be fine. So after that, what do you got to do? You got to protect him. So offensive lineman would probably be my first choice. I mean, not saying that, but like you said, a lot of holes to fill. I would go, I mean, second round, I'd, I would personally go wide receiver because we need somebody to catch the ball. And then I'd look at somebody to protect Justin Fields because you can't do your job if your back's on the ground. And you can ask several quarterbacks for the New York Jets that question, you know? So Yeah, well, I mean, wide receiver seems to be the spot that a lot of people think Obviously, you need to get weapons for Justin Fields, as, as you alluded to. Matt, I mean, are there are there guys in this draft, Mattie, that you're looking at from a wide receiver spot that could, you know, maybe fall to the second round or, or anybody that uh, you have an eye on that could be a great fit for the Bears? I actually think there's going to be a lot of moves in this draft just with regards to the combine results. There's a lot of defensive in the first two rounds. I think it's going to be more defensive top heavy. As far as the Bears go, Wide receiver in the second round, I would have to either say probably Sky Moore, who's more of a slot guy. Um, He's super fast and got hands from Western Michigan. And so the Bears have the 39th pick. Would probably have to be Christian Watson from North Dakota State, 6'4", 208. He's a size guy. Really didn't get to see him this year on tape, but I got to see some of his highlights. And uh, evidently he showed out in his workout, so it should be interesting for the Bears. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, the Central Division has some some interesting holes to fill, too, with the Green Bay Packers, the rival, uh, you know, Devontae Adams leaving. So are the Bears and Packers going to be jostling in finding, the in the draft to find the find the right receiver. fit? I mean, it should be uh, an interesting weekend all around. So we're looking forward to talking to Charles Davis about that, about college football. This is a guest that is on everybody's list. So we're excited to get into it with Charles Davis coming up next. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Buckus Award and Buckus Foundation websites and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. Welcome back to Buckus Beyond the Line. And as we told you guys, we are so excited today. We have the... 
preeminent, in our opinion, preeminent voice on college and pro football and the chief, one of the chief analysts on NFL and CBS, Charles Davis is joining us from Orlando, Florida. Charles, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I hope all you guys are great. And here's hoping that spring is springing wherever you are. I'm in Orlando, Florida, and it has and it sprung here. And I know it's still a little bit chilly around other parts of the country, but since baseball settled their strike and pitchers and catchers did report, that always means that we're headed towards a good spring. Well, we're in Chicago and it's 18. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on down here with me and we'll go and watch a little spring training. There you go. Wow. I'd love that. Well, before we get into spring training and baseball, well, obviously we got to talk about what what we're here to talk about, which is the NFL and college football. And Charles, you know, we we know first of all, you know, I, I mentioned the CBS work, but one of the things that kind of drew us to you was your work on the committee for the Buckus Award. So, you know, Nicobe Dean, this year's winner, the draft coming up. Maybe your thoughts on that position alone for this draft and then the winners, winner this year and, and some of the finalists, where they might land. Yeah, I mean, look, I am honored to be a part of that committee to celebrate the career of Mr. Dick Buckus because as a kid growing up, you wanted to strike fear in the hearts of anyone. You just said the name Buckus. And everyone, oh, whoa, 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 is, is, a, is he coming? <laughs> and to watch him play with, you know, just pure heart each and every time he went out there. Talent, sure, obviously. You know, he had that in abundance. But what set him apart was, was how he went about playing the game. And I think that that's what the committee looks for when we're trying to name a winner to put that person's name on Mr. Buckus's award. And N'Kobe Dean is that type of a player. Big-time talent intelligence don't forget how mr buck has played the game right he yeah. knew the game he mm-hmm. narrowed plays down before they were ever run which allowed him to get in the hole and destroy running backs and quarterbacks and receivers and people before the play could even happen because he already knew what was going to happen because he put the time in well that's what nicobe dean does he plays a game with intelligence he plays a game with spirit he plays a game with physicality you name it, he's got it all. And I think that he's a more than worthy winner this year. And he's coming off of a Georgia Bulldog team that you talk about an overabundance mm. of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, for him to yep. stand out in that one, look, him, Quay Walker could have been a guy that we could have very well have said, hey, we're going to put his name on there. They have a third linebacker named Channing Tindall, who is mm-hmm. a third leading tackler this year for the Georgia Bulldogs National Championship football team. Zero starts in his college career. Wow. Wow. I just, They're loaded. Their, whole de- their whole defense <laughs> is going to be drafted, right? In the old days, with, before scouting got really sophisticated, you guys know the stories, right? They take, remember the old Street and Smith magazine? <laughs> yeah, oh, I remember. Yes. Yep. Right? And teams would pull the Street and Smith and go down it and say, who's the All-American offensive tackle? Let's draft him. <laughs> who's the All-American tailback? We need him. Draft him. That's how teams draft it. If you this year, if you just took all your charts and took them and threw them away and just said, give me the Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> who are draft eligible and you drafted strictly off of that, it would not be a bad draft for you. <laughs> it would be a good draft. I don't, I don't disagree at all. That's 100%. They are loaded. So Nicobe has such, I mean, we got to meet him at the Buckus Awards, as you describe. I mean, just a gentleman on and off the field, how he represented his his university, how he represents himself and his family. I mean, his team's going to be lucky to get him. There are a number of teams that, that could use his services, Charles. I mean, New England comes to Absolutely. mind. Uh, for sure, uh, Chicago comes to mind even. You know, I mean, but he ain't falling to the second yes. round. But where do you see him going? You know, how quarterbacks get 
pushed up in a draft. This would be a year that if you didn't draft a quarterback in the first round, you could make a case and it would be a legit year. But we all know there will probably be maybe two or three that end up going in the first round. So they eat up spots right away. Pass rushers like Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and is Trayvon Walker from Georgia. <laughs> you know, they come into play as well. But a guy like N'Kobe Dean, I know that Seattle is picking in the top 10, and I don't think that he goes there. But remember, Bobby Wagner is no longer there. Yeah, right. Kobe Dean would be the ideal plug and play right away. Here's your guy. But they're not going to take him, I don't think, in the top 10. But it's the type of draft where things are going to move. A lot of teams have multiple first-round picks. Most of them probably don't want to use all of their first-round picks. They want to be able to make some moves and acquire other players. They're going to be people that have a Nicobe Dean in mind and make a play for him. I see him going anywhere starting around, I'm going to say 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the bidding begins for a Nicobe Dean. And we go in, we go from there. And this is a year I think that's got a high volume of linebackers that people are going to want to consider and go get maybe a little bit higher than in a normal year. No, you did a lot of work, both NFL Network and you, you, every year, part of the scouting combine, senior bowls, and all kinds of stuff, Charles. If there are any sleepers that, you know, as a draft nerd, I, I love to hear about the sleepers. If there are some names out there, Charles, that our listeners should be not surprised to hear either late first, mid first, early second, somebody that you go, Man, where'd that name come from? Because every year, you know, somebody, all the draft experts, yeah. right? So-called draft experts have their mock drafts and, <laughs> and you know, they, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody misses and then there's a name and they, and they, oh my gosh, you know, how did this guy come up? But my question is, who is it this year? Well, look, I, I think that amongst us in our circles, we probably know his name, but I think in the public, it would be perceived exactly as you said. The young man out of Montana State named Troy Anderson. Mm-hmm. who's finally settled in at linebacker, but he's been all conference. Remember one double A, which I, what do we call that? FCS now yep. football championship subdivision. I still call it one double A cause I'm a dinosaur, but Troy Anderson was all conference to all American at quarterback running back outside linebacker inside linebacker. Wow. Now think about that. He was the all conference quarterback when he played quarterback for Montana state. He was the rookie, the freshman of the year when he was a running back at Montana State. And now he's been an All-American at two different linebacking spots. I think the last guy that did that was our co-host, Matt Amendola at Baylor. (laughs) That's what it feels like. So I I would say that he would be a guy whose name that we kind of know, well, not kind of, we all know it in our circles. But I think when you're sitting at home on draft night and in the second round when someone says Troy Anderson, Montana State, that's going to get people's attention. You know Hopefully I mean? it's the Bears. Whoa, what, what? What are we talking about? Before we even started on this, we are talking a little bit about MAC players, Mid-American mm-hmm. Conference. Look, there are two offensive linemen from Central Michigan by the name of Bernard Ryman and Luke Gedeke, who can both flat out play. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're both gone second, third round. Okay? And potential plug-and-play starters in the NFL right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. That's how good they are. Now, Ryman is is the most interesting story because he's from Austria. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Came over here, learned to play football, was a tight end, actually had to leave school for a six-month period to fulfill his military commitment to his country. 
Wow. And then came back, became an offensive lineman. I know we get hung up with all these extra things in scouting. Well, you know, he's going to be 25 at the time he's drafted. I'm like, yeah, and? I mean, so what? He can play. The way the game's going, you're trying to get him through one contract anyway. Well, I think he's going to learn to play, continue to flourish. There's there's a higher ceiling on him because he's still learning the game. But as a physical specimen, he is every bit of that. And Gedeke, the other tackle, is the same way. Ryman played left. Gedeke played right. Gedeke can bounce inside if you want to at guard. So those are a couple, you know, those are a few that I can throw at you right away. And of course, we saw at the combine the craziness of speed where all of a sudden a Kalen Barnes from Baylor that no one had talked about. <laughs> right. Runs, four, runs, runs four, two, th- what did he run? Four, two, three. Yeah. Electronically timed. And now I got to go back and watch more tape because if he ran four, two, three, I got to find out what's going on here. Why wasn't I talking about him before a Tariq Woolen? From the UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. We knew about him. He's a converted receiver, now a corner, nearly six feet, four inches tall. He looked like Usain Bolt, ran four two six. <laughs> so, again, you're talking about sleepers that are waking up for all of us. And with that kind of speed, let's face it, we met a coach yet that wouldn't take that kind of speed and no. say, I can do something with that. And Wolin at six foot three, six foot four, could you see him as a press corner in the league? Absolutely. Speaking about coaches and close to our hearts here in Chicago, have you ever ran into the new regime here in Chicago? The new you talk coach about Matt Eberflu. You talk yes. about Coach Eberflu, and of course Ryan Poles, your new GM. Yes. What do you think? Honestly, I'm a Tennessee guy, so Ryan Poles' family. I actually one of one of his family members is a Tennessee player who came in right about the time I was leaving. His name was Roland Poles. They're from up in that area up there, Rochester, Syracuse, Canandaigua, Mm -hmm. New York. And I've known Ryan a long time. I'm very excited about him getting his opportunity. It's easy when you're friends, friendly, that sort of a deal, and you want to say nice things. But what I like about him is that he's paid his dues along the way. This isn't one of those ones where they said, hey, we think Charles Davis can talk a little football. Let's let's go ahead and plug him in. (laughs) Ryan Poles has, has, has worked from the ground up. player, didn't make it in the NFL, got into scouting, did all the miles in the cars, filed all the reports, watched the players, kept working his way up the ladder to become a respected voice. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you a quick one on Matt Eberflew. The first time I met him, I was calling college football. Matt Eberflew worked for Turner Sports, TBS. Mm -hmm. We had the Big 12, Pac-12 package on a Saturday night. (laughs) Matt Eberflew was the wonderkin defensive coordinator for Gary Pinkle at Missouri. Oh, yeah. We rolled in there, and Nebraska had not lost to Missouri in Columbia in like 25 years. Brad Smith was the quarterback, blah, 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 right? They went in that night. Matt Eberflew's defense did a heck of a job. They shut down Nebraska. They beat them for the first time in 25 years in Columbia. That's when I first met Matt Eberflew and then followed his career into Dallas, into Indianapolis. And when he talks about we're going to lead the league in effort on defense, he's not kidding. I'm just telling you guys, if you don't believe him, punch up the tape of Indianapolis and do the old trick that we all do as as coaches and scouts, right? When a play is run and you click off, when you hit stop on the end of the play, how many how many guys are in the picture from your defense? Yep. Right? Yep. You know how – and you know, coaches, if I don't right. see all 11 in the picture, we're all running. <laughs> yep. 
That's how Matt, that's how Matt Eberflug goes about doing it. Now, obviously you have to have talent. Obviously you have to have players, but he has that there. He has the makings of that. And now it's up to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflug to accumulate more to put those prospects in place. But all I would tell the bears defenders, you better call those guys at Indy and ask how Matt coaches and take them at their word. You better come to camp in shape. Yep. We have a Butkus winner on the Bears defense in Roquan from Georgia. Yes. Won't be a problem. He won't have any problem adapting. No, he won't <laughs> right. have any problem. Right. He won't have no problem. Pepper's not an issue for Matt Roquan. Right. Trevathan might. He's, what, 92? Listen, when, 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 you're, when you're 207 years old like I am, you know, you got to you try and pick your spots as you go. But I will guarantee you this. There won't be many spots being able to be picked early with Matt Eberflew trying to set a new tone with what he wants out of defense. You, you know, you will do that as time goes on with certain guys once they've proven themselves. Right. But in the beginning, what you expect him to set that tone that we always talk about, hey, this is what I expect and demand, and I can't have any exceptions in the beginning. Yep. Matt Eberflew is part of a lot of changes that happened in the offseason. And recently on the podcast, Charles, we've been talking about some of the big names that have, have shifted now over the last month or so in the NFL, you're talking Russell Wilson wearing a, a Broncos jersey. You're talking Devontae Adams having left Green Bay. You got Tyreek Hill leaving Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there are some major shifts going on here, and the power structure is hard to figure out right now in the NFL. I mean, Josh Allen and his group doesn't get much talk about in Buffalo anymore because everybody's talking about all the moves going on, and it's hard to pick what's going to happen, what's going down in the NFL these days. We got Trubisky going to Pittsburgh. I mean, you got a lot going on. We got Tom back. Yes, Tom, Tom Brady making yeah. it come, which I don't know how you guys felt when, Tom, when you heard the news that he was coming back. To me, that's the least surprising thing of this offseason. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I, I just have to be frank about the whole thing. And I say that because one of my degrees in school was for history. And one of the things I don't like, I don't like revisionist history. Mm -hmm. So I'm very conscious of trying to say, okay, what did I say before? And I don't want to change it on the fly. But I'm on record as saying, I just, this doesn't feel right to me that he's retiring. Okay, he's doing it, but I don't feel like he's committed to retirement. I'm on record as having said that when it went down because it was the first time I'd ever heard Tom Brady mention his family. Not that he didn't love his family before, not that he didn't consider them before, but did you ever hear Tom Brady talk about family as a consideration about whether he would play or not? Not until this year. Right. This was the first year I heard such a chorus of it and i'm 57 years old and i could have told tom brady let me tell you something my man when the kids tell you they want you at home and your beautiful bride says be you being home would be a great thing it sounds wonderful until you get home and your kids are like dad take me to bobby's house take me to Julie's <laughs> house but i'm home yeah that's great but i want to go see my friends and when your bride is a global icon. She's not slowing down. And I'll bet you he looked around the house a couple of times and said, are you kidding me? I just <laughs> what are you nuts? Yards. The honey-do list. He's, he had a honey-do list right. all of a sudden. When he came back, look, I'm not big on social media, but I have to admit, I was reading articles that had a lot of social media things embedded in it. 
And one thing about social media, there's times when it can be the cesspool we talk about. There's times when it's darn funny. And the social media stuff about Tom coming back was off the charts. You know, when you when you cut the crust off of bread for six weeks for your kids, you're ready to come back to work. I mean, things of that nature. But that was the least surprising. The other one surprised me for this reason. And let me tell you, Russell Wilson, no surprise, because, look, we thought he might be in Chicago last year. So this is not a major surprise. But when you're moving Devontae Adams, who you thought was staying because Aaron Rodgers got his new contract, and Tyreek Hill because Kansas City's in the midst of being the Kansas City track club, when all that's going down and these guys aren't moving near the end of their career, they're still in their prime, that's when I'm surprised. Yeah. Remember Branch Rickey, the yeah. old the old GM sure. in baseball, the Mahatma? Sure. You remember his mantra? You move a player a year too soon rather than a year too late. Mm-hmm. Take the criticism for a year, but you know mm-hmm. you're near the end of the line. None of these guys we're talking about are near the end of the line. That's why yeah. it's surprising to me. Difference makers don't ordinarily move like this. Charles, we're so impressed by your commentary and media career. How is it working for an iconic brand like the John Madden well, franchise? Number one, like coming on this show, right? We're talking about Dick Buckus. Okay, so as soon as you say those name, that name, That's synonymous with excellence. That's synonymous with being legendary. That's synonymous with being embedded with this game until the world exists no more. That name will be forever said, right? Mm -hmm. What's the ancient thing about Native Americans? You have two deaths when when you actually die, but Mm -hmm. your actual death is the last time someone speaks your name. Well, there will never be a time that this earth exists that we don't speak the name Dick Buckus when it comes to football. Well, the same thing goes with the Madden franchise. Absolutely. Now, when you think about it now, how many of us, we all grew up and knew that Coach Madden actually coached and won a Super Bowl. (laughs) How many people do you know that you run into had no idea that he did that? Yep. They know that he's the guy with with the football game. So that's why it's a big deal for me to be be involved in something like that. And it's interesting because – There's not a single weekend that I go and do a game that we don't have, whether it's Zoom now because of COVID or we sit down in a meeting before, not a single weekend, and this is zero exaggeration, zero hyperbole, that at least one person doesn't say in our meetings, a player, a coach, whatever, a Madden reference to the game. Now think about that. And meaning, hey, Matt Buckus, he was really good last week, didn't you think? Yeah, God, he was so good. It was like something out of Madden. (laughs) Or I remember doing a game with Chandler Jones when he was with the Arizona Cardinals. He had had three sacks the week before. Chandler, how about last week? Well, you really on. He goes, let me tell you something. If that doesn't improve my Madden rating, I don't know what will. <laughs> Another right? Buckus winner right But there. you know what the Not kicker Buckus. was? None of them knew that I did the game. This oh, was just really? an organic, yeah. just to tell you how the game is infused in all of what we do. The oh. first time, now I've done the game for seven years now. The first time someone connected me with the game, actually it's happened twice. Mike Daniels, the big defensive tackle, he came over to me on the sideline of a practice when he's at Green Bay and said, hey, man, me and my kids love you. I'm mad. Thank you. (laughs) The second time was this year when I sat down with Jalen Hurts for the first time and I asked him a question. He goes, hold on a second. I know that voice. You're the Madden guy. (laughs) Only two times it's ever happened. No other player has ever connected me because I'm not in the game. You hear my voice, but right, you don't right. see me. So it tells you how the game is a huge part of what we do. 
Well, they talk about it all the time, you know, spin move, like something out of Madden. That guy is so fast. His Madden rating has got to go up to 99 every single week. I haven't had a single week where it hasn't happened. But as I mentioned, the vast majority of the time, they have no idea I'm even involved in the game. See, all part of the career wow, and why, why you are ubiquitous. That's the word I keep saying. You're just, you're just <laughs> everywhere. But your career path, I mean, talk a little bit about it. We, we get into this with a lot of guys. We had Patrick Willis on. We've, we, we've talked to guys, uh, Tommy, oh, Harris. Tommy Harris. How great is Patrick Willis? Oh, oh, I, oh. Uh, Charles, I'm telling you, we, were all, we did him in person. He was at the Buckus Awards out in Rancho Mirage, and we were just, just blown away by oh. – his personality, his you Looks know, like how he can still play. He could, and he's such in great shape. But how content yes. he is! He's so content with his decision. He's he he knows the impact he's he made, is. but he's humble. I mean, just a just a wonderful person. But you know, we we talk a little bit because because Dick had such a career after football, right? And and meant almost more to people through Miller Lite commercials and movies and TV shows. You know, your path has been. I don't think people would know how many different jobs and different things you did that probably shaped you to what you're doing today, right? I mean, between Disney Wide World of Sports and Stanford and Southeastern Conference and United States Olympic Training Center. I mean, you had a lot of different stops. Like, how did how did this all shape you to where you are today? Yeah, well, first of all, my father, who's a uh, teacher, he's a teacher and a coach, retired teacher and coach. When I would change jobs all the time, he's like, hey, man. Can you keep a job? Or are you moving on? Are you moving on your own accord? Or are they asking you to move? You Sounds know, like so I got a lot yeah, of that. That's, that's everybody, right? Dad. Like every father, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, you're right. It, it has shaped me in so many different ways because it's given me different avenues, different ways of looking at things, working with different people, taking on different tasks. I've been an administrator. I've been the grunt work guy. You name it. All of those things kick in. But I will say this, Matt. With your father, I know you get a lot of, you know, his post career, you know, you, you get a lot, a lot of different movies and things of that nature. Hang time for me, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you remember hang time? Oh, yeah. When he was coaching it up in hang time yep. because that show had a lot of different people who played that role. Him, yep. Reggie Theus, right on down the line. Yep. And it was a really cool thing for me to see him pulling that off. And like you're talking about, the different experiences help shape who I am today. And truthfully, I carry a lot of those experiences into the booth with me, whether they were sure. football or not. A lot of it is just, you know, how you work with people and how you work with others and how others might view you. Being the son of uh, Dick, people always think how he plays is how he is at the house, you know, and <laughs> believe it or not, he's got a, a personality and a sense of humor and, you know what I mean? He's what? got... <laughs> Yeah. What? You're kidding. Yeah. Really? You mean there are more dimensions to him than just being a football player? I'm stunned by that. I'm right. absolutely shocked. We're, we're not doing any video yet, Charles, on this, but I want to let our listeners know, since you gave my alma mater, Central Michigan, so much love, I wanted to let you give your yeah. University of Tennessee volunteers some love. I mean, we've had some stumbles here lately, right? I mean, we, we got to get back to yes, the top of the SEC here. I would agree. And as a proud Tennessee alum, I know many others who, when they hear this, they're going to say the exact same thing. When do we get back into the fight like we used to be in the fight? Because we used to be able to roll up our sleeves and punch with anyone. And right now, we're not doing that. I do think that Josh Heupel and crew are doing a nice job. In this year's draft, we got a defensive tackle named Matthew Butler, who will be selected and will do a nice job on the field. We have a defensive back named Elante Taylor 
who's a corner slash safety who ran way faster than I expected at the combine at four, three, six. But I think he's the type of kid that you can plug a few different places. He'll go on day three, I believe. We have a receiver named Bayless Jones, who's a transfer from, from USC and came back to Tennessee and got two degrees for us. And, and I think that he's a, a poor man's Cordero Patterson in terms of his ability to play out wide, play inside in the slot, be able to catch the football, play special teams, return game, all of that. So we've got some kids in the draft this year that I think are emblematic of showing how they hung with our program some toughness that was developed, didn't cut and run when things got difficult. And I think we'll get a little bit better going forward. I definitely hope so. I mean, I actually had, I played Josh Heupel in college and uh, I actually learned one thing that I never forgot. And this is what it was. This is the same year that they won the national championship. Needless to say, we at Baylor did not win that game. One thing I learned though, when I was on defense, I was playing safety, made a tackle. I noticed the ball. I picked the ball up. It looked like it had been kicked a million times back from the 80s now i went back to my sideline and are we were using brand new footballs right brand new footballs and i was just like there's and obviously oklahoma with their traditions of winning and stuff like that i i never forgot that i was i was like josh he's throwing this little i mean it was like a, a balloon and it was light and i was just like he's on to something they're definitely on to something so i tell I, that to this day i still tell people that story just because you know it's just a development of the game for him that, you know, eventually we started, you know, you, using balls. Use the ball you're supposed to. My dad's an old basketball coach, and we never used a ball out of the box for a game. He always grabbed one off the rack because it's broken in. It, you can use it well, yep. the whole deal. And I'll leave you with this on that since you're an old Southwest Conference guy. Back in the day, they had some kickers that came out at the same time. Russell Erksley mm-hmm. out of Texas. Tony Franklin, Texas A&M, Steve Little, Arkansas. And back then you could bring your own ball into the game to kick. And they also had the block tee that you could put it down. And the goalposts were wider. Those guys brought on rugby balls in order to kick back into the whole days. That thing was so just like you talked about, broken in, put how they wanted. And those guys hit moonshots back in the day. Erksleben was a first-round pick of the Saints as a punter and a kicker. Little was an early round pick with the Cardinals, ended up in a bad car accident and ended his career. And Tony Franklin had the most success with the Philadelphia Eagles kicking in the Super Bowl for Dick Vermeil. This is why we love Charles Davis. You can talk about today. You can talk about years ago. You can talk college. You can talk NFL. Charles, please promise us you're going to come back sometime for us, maybe as we get closer to a nomination list for this year's college football season for the Buckus Award. We'd love to have you back on. This has been just a real pleasure for us. I want to thank you. I want to thank you guys, and I'll come on anytime you want me to. This is just so much fun because we're just four guys just sitting around talking ball. That's right. Know? And, and mm-hmm. let's face mm-hmm. it, isn't that what we all do every day anyway? We might as well do it and make it part of our daily, daily routine, part of our career, the whole thing. And I'll just leave you guys with this on the way out the door. This is where I really thank my parents because my sixth grade teacher called them in for a conference and said, Charles, everything he does relates to sports. And I'm worried about his future because there is no future in sports. And my father, as I mentioned before, was a teacher and a coach. And he said, hold on a sec. We mean there's no future in sports. If he turned in every paper about the president of the United States wanting to be that, you would want to give him an A for everything, wouldn't you? She said, well, yeah. He goes, well, why is that realistic? And a future in sports is not. 
you're missing the right. boat. My parents defended me as a sixth grader and encouraged me to follow my dreams. And part of that dream, let's face it, guys, is us sitting here today talking ball. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's our profession. Just just, just like Russell Crowe said in, in Cinderella Man, when he had that big conversation about whether he should fight, you know, you know Max Bear, right? Hey, it is my mm-hmm. profession. And it is my profession. How cool is that for us that it's this is our profession? Phenomenal. Well, thank you so much, Charles. We will uh, we'll definitely hit you back up and uh, enjoy the draft and, and enjoy the uh, summer months and going into the football season next year. So we'll talk to you soon. You guys do the same. Can't wait to talk again soon. Appreciate it. it Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Have Charles. a good day. Thank you, Charles. You got it, buddy. You guys do the same. Thanks a lot. All right. Phenomenal having Charles as our guest, man. That was really great. Thank you to my co-hosts, Peter Hassan and Matt Amendola. Follow us on social channels listed in the show description and thebutkus.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing number 51 merchandise, please go to dickbuckus.com. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Matt Butkus, and we'll catch you on the next one.